My name is Jonathan Penchoff, and you are listening to Repeating History. History, 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 history. Hello, everybody. How are you? Good. I'm glad to hear it. I'm also doing well. Thank you for asking. I assume that you were going to ask me because it's just good manners. I hope you guys don't have a lot of spare time today because this is going to be a little shorter episode, just a small bean, and it's going to fit perfectly between your daily chores, you know? You just finished mowing the lawn, and now you got to do the dishes, but first you just want to sit on the goddamn couch for a minute and put your feet up, you know? And that is what this episode is for. Invite your neighbors over, crack open a cold one, or drink water because hydration is important too. But either way, grab onto your butts because this one is short, but it packs a punch. It's about a bad bitch named Tamiris and how she takes down Cyrus the Great. Maybe you remember him from the last episode. He's the dude who started the Achaemenid Persian Empire. Now, I don't want you to think that he started this shit and then it just kind of like fell off right away. It is popping. It's like 29 years later when this story takes place. That previously mentioned bad bitch Tamiris is the queen of the Masagetai. Her husband used to rule it, but he died, so now she's in charge. Cyrus wants to conquer the Masagetai. That boy's just too used to winning, you know? He just doesn't lose, and that's kind of becoming his weakness. He sends to Tamiris and says, hey, what if, hear me out, we got married? But she's no fool, so she's like, bro, I know you're just trying to get my kingdom. You have zero interest in me, boy. You better keep on walking. And so he's like, well, I'm not very good at being turned down, so now I'm going to invade you. And he does. He starts to go towards the Masagetai. He gets to a river that borders their land, and he starts to build towers and bridges to try to cross. Tamiris sees this and is like, God, this fucking idiot, and she sends a messenger over to him. The message says something like, hey, dude, don't don't be fucking dumb. Like, turn around, go away. You do your thing, we'll do our thing. Like, you don't need to come over here and try to rule us, okay? We got this shit locked down. But I know that you're not going to listen to me. So if you insist on fighting like you're super, super down to fight me because you're insecure, we can. You can stop building your stuff and I will go three days march away from the river, me and my dudes, and you guys can cross and we'll fight in our land. Or if it makes you more comfortable, you guys can march three days away from the river in the opposite direction and we will cross and we'll fight you over there. Okay, how does that sound, you know? Are you going to be okay with that? So Cyrus calls all his boys together, and he's like, Well, boys, what should we do? And all of them are like, Well, have them come over here onto our land. That's definitely a benefit for us, you know? Make them do all that hard work, and then we'll just beat the shit out of them, and it's cool, right? Except one of his boys, Croesus, walks up and is like, you know, knuckle crack, and goes, Hey, I don't think we should fight them on our side. Because if they win over here, God forbid, you know, let's say they win, 
then they're already in our land, and they're not going to stop. They're going to keep marching against everything you've conquered. But if we win, it's not that big of a deal here. But if we go onto their side of the river and we beat them, we already have momentum. We can go and take all that land. If we lose, we still don't lose any land, you know? So he's kind of spitting this out to them, and he says stuff like, you know, not everyone can be lucky all the time. Luck revolves on a wheel, and, you know, everyone eventually has to run out of luck. Plus, just to add a little sexism to this story, he's like, well, also, dude, she's a girl. Like, you can't let her come over here and try to fight us. We got to go over there and assert our manliness. You're a big, strong man, Cyrus. Yeah, you tell her. Croesus is a little wiener schemer, obviously, and he says something like, I got a plan. We can beat him with strategery instead of just brunt force. We'll send in some of our, you know, not-so-powerful dudes in the army, and we'll have them go have a little banquet and have some wine and really good food, and then when the Masagetai come and beat them, they'll have all that food there, and they'll obviously be tempted, so they'll drink it, and then we'll sneak in and get them while they're all drunk and fucked up, right? This convinces Cyrus, and he's like, all y'all are fools, Croesus is right, we're going over that river and we're going to fight them. So he sends back to Tamiris and says, okay, you, you guys go three days away and we're going to come over there in a little bit, all right? Cyrus understands that there is an element of danger here and maybe he will lose. I don't know why he thinks this is like, you know, such a big deal right now. Like he must have been afraid of the Massagetai because he decides to send Croesus and his oldest son, Cambyses, back to Persia with the idea of, you know, if he dies, Cambyses is going to take over. The first night after crossing the river, Cyrus has a dream. Kind of like, you know, remember last episode when his grandfather had a dream? Now it's him. And he believes that the gods are looking over him and they protect him and they give him warnings. And I guess they do, but he's just really shitty at interpreting them. So, you know, he has a dream that his friend, Hestaspes, eldest son, Darius. God, that's a fucking mouthful. He has a dream that his friend, Hestaspes, eldest son, Darius, has wings and is, you know, like a giant creature. And the wings cast a shadow over all of Asia on one side and Europe on the other. And he decides that this means that Darius is going to try to kill him and take over the throne. And he is like, set on this. He hits up his friend and is like, I have proof that your son is plotting against me. And then he tells him his dream as if that is concrete proof. Hestaspes is like, oh, fuck, dude, really? Like, oh, it, if you had a dream about it, it must be true. I'm sorry. I will definitely turn my son over to you. Ding, ding, ding. Here's the world's worst fucking father award for you, Hestaspes. You didn't even argue that. You just went with it. Either way, he runs back to Persia and he's going to watch over his son Darius to make sure that he's up to nothing fishy. But it's not really Darius that he has to worry about. He misinterpreted the dream because, duh, it's a fucking dream and it can mean whatever you want it to mean. So what it really meant was that he's over there on foreign land fighting a bad bitch queen and he's probably going to die. And when he does die, yeah, then maybe Darius is going to take over. But it didn't mean that he was plotting against you, you dingus. 
Now, this dream might not seem very important to you right now, but it does play into the next episode quite nicely. So please excuse the slight randomness of this and just know that this will all come back around later, okay? So the Persians march one day into the land of the Masagetai, and then they start to enact the plan of, you know, having the kind of bullshit soldiers just go and die and be weird sheep for the slaughter, which kind of makes me wonder, I, I wonder if they knew the plan or if it was like, hey, we, uh, you know, most of the army forgot something back at the river. You guys just stay here and hold the fort down. But while we're gone, you know, here's a bunch of wine and food and just <laughs> have fun, guys. Don't do anything crazy. Or if it was like, okay, uh, sorry, guys, you, you kind of suck at this job. So we're just going to give you to them when they come over here. Just... Don't fight back and don't drink too much of the wine in the meantime because we need them to get drunk, okay? Either way, it's it's a pretty shitty thing to do to your military. If you were listening and you thought to yourself, well, that's a stupid plan. There's no way that's going to work. You are wrong because the Masagetai come up, find the small body of soldiers and are like, oh, fuck, kill them. And they do, they fight them, they beat them all. And then they're like, whoa, look at this food. I like to kind of imagine it like that scene in Hook where they're all imagining the food and they're having like the po-po, I think is what they call it. God, that shit always made me so hungry when I watched it. Anyway, that's that's what I'm picturing. So if you know that scene, I want you to picture it that way too, okay? So the Masagetai come upon that and then this dream or version of it, the, uh, the po-po is actually like really alcoholic wine and they don't really drink that. So they get all fucked up and they're full of food and they're getting the itis and they're just taking a little nap and they're all, you know, a little drunk. And then the Persians come back and are like, Ha! You fell for it, you fuckers! And then they start fighting and they're all drunk and sleepy, so it's not really much of a fight. So they kill a bunch of them, but they also capture a bunch of them. Among the captured is the son of Tamiris named Spargapaces. So Tamiris hears of what happened and she sends a letter to Cyrus and is like, You fuck! Don't you even pretend to be super proud like you beat us in combat. You won with trickery, you fucking coward. You have cowardice in your heart. That's you, Cyrus. And then she spits on the ground. Get out of here, you dickhead. Get out of my land. Give me my son back and get the fuck out of Dodge, man. And, you know, maybe we'll let you we'll let you get out of here. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, you fucked up. You were trickery, you little trickster. But now... I want you gone because I will fucking murder you. I will give you your fill of blood. And she says a line that I think is really cool, so I'm actually not even going to change it. This is just, this is directly from Herodotus. Bloodthirsty Cyrus, though you are, I will give you your fill of blood. I don't even have to dramatize that because that's a fucking cool line. That's why this chick is like the ultimate bad bitch. That's why I keep calling her that because she's fucking awesome, like, She's tough-talking Cyrus the Great, the ruler of the Achaemenid Persian Empire. Pretty fucking cool. Meanwhile, Spargapaces is waking up in the drunk tank or wherever he's, he's being held, and he's like, oh, fuck, my head hurts. What am I doing in chains? You know, it's kind of all coming back to him, and he's just like, oh, shit. Very sobering, very fast. He realizes that he's caught, and he's like, can you guys at least take me out of these chains? 
I imagine he's kind of like playing it cool, like, all right, you guys, you got me this time. Take me out of these chains and, you know, we'll figure out a peace deal. But the moment they take him out of his chains, he kills himself. So now Cyrus doesn't have the bargaining chip of being like, okay, we'll give you back your son. Not that I thought he would anyway, but he doesn't have that anymore. So Tamiris is like pissed off. She's like, oh, that fucking asshole. I'm going to fucking kill him. Ah! So she gets her army ready and brings them to meet the Persians in battle. They start by shooting arrows at each other from afar, but once their quivers are all empty, they go in and get in hand-to-hand combat. Apparently, Herodotus says that this is one of the most fierce barbarian battles they ever had. They are just going at it, right? No one's giving any ground. No one's retreating at all. It's just beating the fuck out of each other. And the Masagetai win. And during this battle, Cyrus the Great gets killed somehow. Afterwards, when everything's kind of calmed down, Tamiris is walking the field looking for his body, and she finds it. And she walks up to him, and in the coolest move ever, she just tough talks a dead body. Ah, I fucking love when people do that. Ah, man. Like, I don't want to say I wish I got to do that, because I don't want you guys to be like, Wow, Jonathan wants to tough talk a dead body? Why is this body dead? Did he kill this person? I don't need you guys thinking that. But you know what I mean. Like, it's just such a boss move to do that, like in movies or in books or history books or podcasts also, I guess. Tamiris takes like a wineskin or just like, you know, something to hold liquid and fills it with blood and then takes Cyrus's head and puts it in that fucking skin pouch and is like, I'm alive and you're dead. I win, but you took my son, so I still lose. Super, super fuck you, dude. I'm a woman of my word, and now I will fulfill your lust for blood. And she's just dunking it over and over like someone giving a little kid a swirly. <laughs> uh, it's for dramatic effect. But, but, but yeah, that's how Cyrus the Great dies. It's... It's pretty wild. I'm actually really excited that it happened this way. You know, it's cool that a woman gets to be like, yeah, I'm in power now. Um, he ruled for 29 years. That's a pretty good run. I think that it's it's a pretty rad way to go, and it's a really fun story. Um, and it kind of sets us up for the next episode next week, which is on his son, Cambyses II, named after his grandfather, if you've really been paying attention, which is from... The other, the other episode, you know, when he was sent over to Persia. Unfortunately, this is a rather small story in the histories by Herodotus. I don't have a ton of details about it. It's like just a couple paragraphs long. I wish I could give you some of the nitty gritty. But it is still a really important story because this is how Cyrus the Great supposedly dies. And that's huge because he's one of the most important figureheads of this time frame. Plus, it's just rad to have a story with a badass female lead. Anyway, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you had a really good time. Go do those dishes. Wait, wait, before you do the dishes, I have one other thing I wanted to say. Today, my good friends are releasing their first episode on their brand new podcast called The Grand Creepers. Go check it out. It's about tattooing and like 
a way more intimate look into tattooing and certain tattooers that, you know, a lot of people look up to. It's not just going to be your normal average question of like, who's your biggest inspiration? It's very fun. I've gotten to listen to the first episode and it's awesome. So go check that out. And if you're just looking for more podcasts, I have another friend who really helped me start my podcast. His name is Jeff and he has one called Heckin' Cool Dads. Go check those guys out, please, 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 and thank you. Thank you guys so much for checking out my stuff. My name is Jonathan Penchoff, and you have been listening to Repeating History. Written and produced by me, Jonathan Penchoff. Theme music composed by Dave Regan. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week. Peace.